Good morning again. Good to see you all this morning. As you can tell, things are a little different for the sermon. For those of you who are visiting with us, let me assure you that I am not the preacher. And Can I get an amen? All right, that's a little more exuberant than I meant for it to be, but uh, I appreciate that. But some of you that do know that I'm not the preacher, I just wanted to let you know how this kind of all came about. Bryce realized he was going to be out of town, so he said, I better line up somebody to speak. So he thought long and hard. He said, you know, who should I get to fill in this morning? So he thought to himself, he said, you know, maybe I should just get the best overall speaker. Well, he reached out to that person, and uh, that person declined his invitation. So then he thought to himself, he said, you know, maybe I should just get the most knowledgeable, probably just with the greatest amount of wisdom. Again, he was turned down. Third time, he said, you know, how about I just get the best-looking, most charismatic, humble person I can possibly think of, and I got to tell you, all I just didn't have the heart to turn him down three times in a row. So here I am. I feel, anytime I'm speaking up here, I feel the need to give a disclaimer that I'm not speaking on behalf of the elders. Um, I think Bruce is saying amen to that one. But uh, the thoughts that I'm sharing this morning are mine and mine alone, and do not hold it against this church, the eldership, or anybody else. You may recall, I gave the ser a sermon address last year, and in that address, one of the things I mentioned was, historically, we have always been a church of Christ. And that's how we identify, that, that is how you know, we are essentially uh, operate, and I spent a lot of time talking about we need to have less church, more Christ. That was kind of the theme of that lesson. And I've continued to believe that theme. That's not what I'm sharing with you today. Today I want to talk to you more about the church part. And what I mean by that in particular is for those of you who have been following, those who have been here the last several weeks, you know that Bryce has been leading us in a sermon series called Feels Like Home. And Part of what he's talking about is that we need to build a church environment that feels like home, where people are welcomed, people are accepted, people are loved. I want to continue on that theme because I've got to tell you, one of the things that I've always loved about this church, I've been going here now, they've, they've allowed me to continue to attend here for almost 30 years. Next year will be my 30th anniversary of being a member of this church, so well over half of my life and pretty much all of my adult life, I've been a member here. And part of the reason for that is that I've always found this to be a church that feels like home. And it's a church where I feel very comfortable. It's a church where I feel that, you know, this is just, I want to come here. And I think that that's very important. But I think what's every bit as, as important as that is that I recognize that not everyone feels that way. And there are some people that may come to this church and they don't feel like it's as welcoming as I like to think it is. They may not feel like it's as warm and loving and and feeling like home the way that I do. So what can we do about that? You know, a lot of times, as a church of Christ, we kind of say that we model ourselves on the first century church. And there are a lot of things about that that I'm glad we don't follow too closely. For instance, I am very thankful that I have a microphone right now, that I may, you're able to hear me. I'm thankful that I have the PowerPoint up there that I can follow along and help keep me on track. I'm thankful that we have heat and air, I'm thankful that, let's be honest, I'm thankful for the bacon ministry. Dale, I'm thankful for you. That was, I feel pretty certain they didn't have a bacon ministry in the first century church, so that is kind of a, a modern 
adaptation that we have made, and I'm just so thankful that we have that. It's part of what makes it feel like home. When we look at the first century church, you know, one of the things that I want to do is let's take a look at a verse in Acts 2 that really kind of describes to us the first century church. I'm going to read this because I can't read that screen, so I'm going to have to read my notes here. And this is called The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I've always appreciated this particular passage. It's something that, you know, Tom Powell, when he, used to, when he used to be a member here, he and I would talk about this because he would share a little bit about his journey of becoming a Christian. He said he didn't grow up going to church. And he didn't really become a believer and become a part of a church until he was in college. And part of that was because he found a community that he could really identify with, a community that accepted him, a community of believers that had come together and had decided that they wanted to take care of one another and go along with each other on their spiritual journeys. And he said that that just really set the tone for him, and he said, you know, quite honestly, I've kind of been looking for that ever since. And he said, I feel partly like I found that here at Chanel Valley Church, which is why he was a member here for you know, over 10 years before they moved up to Wisconsin. And he talked about this particular passage. I remember him leading it a couple different times at our life group. And it was just something, part of it just really struck, really stuck with me and it struck me just of what they did. I just want to point out a couple things where, you know, where everyone was together. I'm not suggesting we all come together, liquidate our assets and share them amongst everyone. Dr. Westbrook is saying amen to that. I appreciate that, I'm sure. But uh, we look at this, and one of the things that I want to point out is, in particular, these last two sentences, where it says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One of the things I like about that is that this describes a body of believers who loved one another, who accepted one another, and who included one another. That's exactly the type of church that we need to be. They loved one another, accepted one another, and included one another. It doesn't say they excluded certain people from some of the things that they did. It doesn't say that they got angry with one another and made sure that they didn't associate with part of the membership. It doesn't say that they got into bitter disagreements over interpretations of Scripture. It doesn't say they made sure that they didn't allow for certain people, but they did allow for others. No, it talks about an environment where they loved one another, they accepted one another, and they included one another. And what I love is that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I think a lot of times we get bogged down on, in particular, certain things that really don't make all that much difference. You know, sometimes we get bogged down on things that really don't make this feel like home because we include certain people, but we don't include other people. We exclude certain people. You know, 
One of the things that I really uh, miss is reading the newspaper. And some of you may say, well, why do you miss reading the newspaper? All you have to do is just start reading it. Well, no, I, I miss the print edition. Once they moved away from the print edition, I stopped reading the paper. That doesn't mean I stopped absorbing news, I just found it in other sources. But I stopped my subscription to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette after several years. And in particular, one of the things that I miss is the Sunday paper. Now, before Jeff Hankins is probably gonna correct me and say, they still print the Sunday paper. Why, why would you have to miss that? Well, I know they print the Sunday paper. I just, once they, once they cut off the rest of the print, I just decided I was done. I was gonna seek, seek my news elsewhere. But I had a ritual every Sunday morning. I would go out, I would get my paper, I would drink my coffee, and I would take it out of the, the wrapper and I would basically lay it all out in a certain order. I would always start with the real estate section because I wanted to see what real estate was for sale, what houses were available. You know, that's probably why I've moved so much is that I've spent too much time in the newspaper section, the, the real estate section of the newspaper. But I always started with that and then I would work my way, I'd go to the business section and then I'd look at the real estate transactions and see what houses sold, how much they sell for. And then I would always go to the high profile section. And one of the things that I loved about the high profile section, and those of you who how many of you in here read the high-profile section or have ever read the high-profile? So quite a few of you, it looks like you have. What I always loved about that is, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't know who that person was, but reading that article, it, I'd learn a little bit more about them. I'd gain a little more insight. But one of the things I liked in particular was I would skip over a lot of the article, but they would have kind of the Reader's Digest version of it, the condensed, you know, facts. Basically, this is the information that just kind of boiled it all down. And one of the things that they would always, uh, one of the questions they would always ask is that who would be at your fantasy dinner? You know, if you could invite four people or however many people, who would you invite? I always found that fascinating because I, I just, that kind of shared some insight into the people because who would they want there? I mean, think about it. If you could invite anyone from history where you could spend dinner with and then talk to them, ask them questions. Well, I think a lot of those dinners probably would have gotten down into a lot of disagreements and arguments based on some of the people they had listed. But one person they always, at least typically, was mentioned would be Jesus. And I always found that interesting, but I kind of wanted to know another question. That question is, if you invited Jesus, what would you ask him? If we could talk to Jesus, and I'm not talking about the dinner anymore, I'm just talking about in general. Let's say that Jesus appeared to us, and we could ask him any question, we could talk about anything, what would we ask Jesus? Would we waste our time and say, Jesus, I just wanted to make sure that we clarified, is it okay for a woman to get up here and read the scripture like we had this morning? I just want to make sure that's okay. Would we say, well, Jesus, I mean, let's take it a little step further. Is it okay that we had a woman do our communion talk? Mm, now we're going to pin him down. Would we say, is it okay for a woman to be in charge of different things at our church? Would we say, okay, Jesus, now I've got one for you. How about instruments? Are we going to have instruments in the church? Would we say, okay, Jesus, what about homosexuals? Are we going to let them come to church? Are we going to allow certain people to access your grace? Okay, which people should we exclude? And then who's going to be able to get your grace? Who are we going to include? Would we really waste our time on things like that? Well, I think Jesus, if we were to ask him a lot of these questions, he'd say, seriously? That's what you want to ask me? You have access to me and this is what you want to know about? He tells us what he wants to know about. You know, one of the things that he railed against were the Pharisees. 
he railed against the Pharisees continuously where he would always kind of point out, they would always try to pin him down and they would ask him questions. And they would try to get bogged down in some of the things and, and some of keeping with the law. And I brought a couple of scriptures that I want to point out. Here's part of what Jesus would say. He'd say, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. You know, so many times they're saying, okay, well, wait a second. Do they get your grace? Do they get access to the kingdom? Or what about this person? And here's what Jesus said about it. Now, this next part where he looks at it, and when we say they're focusing so much on the, the form over the substance. Matthew 23, 23, and 24, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a net, but swallow a camel. You know, this is what Jesus shares with us so often. He's like, you know, we spend far too much time focused on certain things of how can we exclude people and we lose sight of how do we include people. There are people out there that are hurting. There are people out here who would want to be a part of this. There are people out here that need this. Is this a place that they would feel welcome? And this is not me lecturing to any of you. This is me speaking to all of us and saying, how can we be the type of church that people, when they hear about us, they say, you know, right now, there may be, there may be people that say, oh, yeah, that's the church that lets women do things. And I say, praise God, hallelujah, if that's how they're referring to us. There may be people that say, you're going to let everyone in. Yes, we are. There may be people that say, you're going to share God's grace with as many people as you possibly can. I say, I hope to God we do. That's the type of church we need to be when we're talking about church. You know, one of the things I still remember, and it partially pains me to say that I remember this, is several years ago, Craig Lair did a sermon, and I didn't forget it, which, to give Craig props, pains me deeply. But I'll give credit where credit is due. I still remember several years ago, he, he taught a sermon. Basically, he was talking about, hey, how do we want to show Jesus we love him? How do we want to show God we love him? Feed my sheep. He talked about the, the story where Jesus was talking to Simon Peter, and he was saying, you know, do you love me? Well, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Continued on and on as far as making sure we drove that point home. Well, how do we feed the sheep? How do we feed a sheep? Well, we have to create a church that loves people, that accepts people, and that includes people. And when we look at that, sometimes we get so bogged down on little things, we may find something that is mentioned in the scriptures one time, but we take that as if it is just law carved in stone. We will not depart from that. But then we lose sight of something that's mentioned time and time and time again. Just like feed my sheep, how do we do that? We do that by something that's been mentioned countless times, and that is love one another. So many times throughout scripture we've taught love one another, love one another, love one another. But that's not what we always do. A lot of times we get so bogged down and say, well, yeah, I will love that person. However, can't let them do this because of that. And then they did this and then they did that. Well, you know, one of the things that, that I mentioned is that 
Church feels like home for me, but that can actually be a problem. Because the more it feels like home for me, the more comfortable it is for me. And the more comfortable it is for me, the more complacent that I get. And the more complacent I get, the less I focus on loving other people. Because I can get so bogged down in that and say, you know what, I've got my people, I'll take care of my people, but what about some of the other people that I'm not paying attention to? What about those people that may feel like grace may be for some, but it's not for everyone? Now, I know I'm kind of weird in many ways, but one of the things that makes me weird is that I like to watch commercials. And when we talk about commercials, there are some commercials that I'll watch that I say, you know, I just love that commercial. For whatever reason, I find it hilarious. Or for whatever reason, I just I find it interesting. Or just different things about commercials. Most people are so thankful that we don't have to watch commercials because now we've got Netflix. We've got all of these different things that don't have the commercials, but I still love them. My favorite Christian commercial right now, it's, and some of you may be saying a Christian commercial. I didn't know they had Christian commercials. What, are you watching Fox News or what, what's going on? Well, when I say my favorite Christian commercial, the fact is I brought this to show you. So I'm going to have Rob, if you can pull this Christian commercial up. Special. If you don't mind, if you could just... This makes me feel really special, too, because, you know, Discover's giving me cash back on debit, not just credit. Actually, Discover gives cash back on debit to everyone. Everybody? Everybody, if you could just... What about Debbie John? All those years that I couldn't find my bike, it was in her garage. Like, she gets it. If she has Discover cash back debit, then, yeah. Introducing Discover cash back debit, a checking account with cash back for everyone. Now, you may be thinking, yes, you are weird, how on earth do you consider that a Christian commercial? It's Discover Card. Well, what I love about it is that she's going, you know what, this, having access to this program makes me feel so special. I love it. And he says, well, actually, everyone gets access to that program if they're part of the program. Everybody gets these benefits. Well, wait a second. You don't mean everyone. What about Debbie John, the one that had my bike the whole time when I was looking for it? And she kept, This horrible person. You're going to let her have access to this program? He said, yeah, pretty much if you're part of the program, you get the benefits. Well, I feel like that's what Jesus is saying to us as well. He's like, listen, if you're part of my program, you get my grace. I didn't die for certain people. I died for everybody, and we all have access to that program. It's up to us to take advantage of it and to let as many people know about it as we possibly can. You know, sometimes people will say, well, yeah, but you've got to stand for something. And I say, Absolutely. I stand for sharing God's grace with as many people as possible. That's the type of church that we need to be. When, we, when I said before, less church, more Christ, I'm saying more Christ in church. That's the lesson that I want to share with you because I think that's the lesson that's been shared with us through God's word. You know, I came across something not too long ago where Every now and then you'll, you'll read something that just kind of strikes you in a certain way that just really hits home. And I, I came across this, I, wouldn't, I don't know that I call it a poem, but basically just this writing, it's called Church is Hard. I'm going to read it for you. It says, Church is hard for the person walking through the doors, afraid of being judged. Church is hard for the pastor's family under the microscope of an entire body. Church is hard for the prodigal soul returning home, broken and battered by the world. Church is hard for the person who looks like they have it all together, but certainly doesn't. Church is hard for the couple who fought the entire ride to service. 
Church is hard for the single mom surrounded by couples holding hands with seemingly perfect families. Church is hard for the widow or widower with no invitation to lunch after service. Church is hard for the person who feels like they're not part of the group. Church is hard for the parent with an estranged child. Church is hard for sinners. Church is hard for me. It's hard because on the outside it all looks shiny and perfect. Sunday best in behavior and dress. However, underneath those layers you find a body of imperfect people. Carnal souls, selfish motives. But here's the beauty of church. Church isn't a building, a mentality, or expectation. Church is a body. Church is a group of sinners saved by grace living in fellowship as saints. Church is a body of believers bound as brothers and sisters by an eternal love. Church is a holy ground where sinners stand as equals before the throne of God. Church is a refuge for broken hearts and a training ground for mighty warriors. Church is a converging of confrontation and invitation where sin is confronted and hearts are invited to seek restoration. Church is a lesson in faith and trust. Church is a bearer of burdens and giver of hope. Church is a family. A family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes, rejoicing in the smallest of victories. Church, the body, and the circles of sinner-turned-saints is where he resides. And if we ask, he is faithful to come. I don't know about you, but when I read about that, that's the type of church I want to be a part of. A body, a coming together, a family. Something that truly feels like home because now you are the body of Christ and we are all part of it. See, it's not about following rules. It's about becoming a body that loves one another, that accepts one another, and includes one another. It's not a preacher. It's not a group of elders. It's not a worship minister. It's all of us. If we want to have this type of church, we need to be this type of church. And once again, I'm not lecturing to you. I'm speaking to myself, and you're just listening. Because I'm telling myself, this is how I need to be, and I'd love to have as many of you follow along with me as possible. Because someday I'm going to be judged, and I would rather err on the side of including too many people than excluding anybody. That's what we need to be. That's the type of church I want for Chenal Valley Church. If you'd stand with me. Thank you.